This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. We are still alive. We're still here. Yes. I think. We had a few um, yeah, scheduling, scheduling issues. Yeah, they, they happen. Life life gets in the way sometimes, and we don't we can't do anything about that. Um, I know you don't like to hear this woman's voice, but I have to play this woman. You have to hear it. That's the only clip I have tonight. Okay. Okay. Good. So let me You'll play You'll only this. torment me right at the beginning. Just once. Like, hello, America. AOC here again, but this time from Washington, D.C., which is named after our country's first president, George Washington, D.C., did you know that? Like, I want to tell you about my plan to single-handedly save the planet. I call it the Green New Deal. I picked green because I'm still learning my colors. <laughs> I came up with my plan after watching, like, the most important documentary on climate change. It's called Ice Age 2, The Meltdown. <laughs> That's not me saying it. That's science. My Green New Deal will cost, like, $93 trillion. Do you know how much that is? Me neither. Because it's totally worth it. If sea levels keep rising, we won't be able to drive to Hawaii anymore. And I just got this electric car. It's eco-friendly. And everyone has to drive one under my deal. And that's why I bought one for my boyfriend, too. Ugly. Using campaign donations. Well, you bought it for him. Did you know that? <laughs> That's so, one of her. So that was, was one of her yes. more coherent. Again, that was Ava Martinez. Eight. <clears throat> I think she's my new favorite politician. Uh, she does a deadpan uh, AOC. If you haven't seen the videos, check it out on uh, YouTube. She's got the lipstick. She's got the glasses, and the hair parted the correct way. It, it, she looks like AOC if she was eight. Yes, um, it's amazing. So that's the only clip I had. It's the only thing we were going to be encumbered with because we got a lot to talk about. We do. We do. What's um, going on? And since our short uh, hiatus. <laughs> well, I want to talk about William Barr. Okay. And well, let me say this. You and I are adults. Apparently, Congress is not made up of adults, at least on the Democratic side, and maybe some of the Republicans as well. So Jerry Nadler, Nadler, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Nadler. Nor do I care. He doesn't seem to understand anything. This guy's a lawyer. Correct. I mean, I'm wrong on that. Most of them are. I yeah. don't know whether jury. Is. I, I, I believe he is, is a lawyer. Uh, I don't know what he practiced. Apparently, it was wills and something like that. He's planning. Well, he took a judiciary committee vote to hold William Barr in contempt. Okay. Because now understand this, he wants him to testify, which he did the day before in the Senate. But he wants to have his staffers interview them, inter ask all the questions instead of. The lawyer who's actually the lawmaker. Now, that's a little weird sometimes. He says there's a precedent. You can't find any precedent that I know no. of where the attorney general gets interviewed by the staff 
a well, lawmaker. Well, the staff are other lawyers. Correct, but they're not elected. Correct. They're 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 hired and right. appointed. They, they they can ask apparently better questions than Jerry Nadler. So he wants them to ask. Apparently, them. he's incapable of asking questions. Now they voted to vote hold him in contempt because William Barr said, "I'm not coming under those circumstances." I, I don't. They said something about a subpoena, but I, subpoena. But I don't think there was a subpoena to appear. There was. They asked him to appear. So well, I the other thing in, is, I that's not my understanding about why he's being held in contempt. No, it's it's because he won't release the entire well, unredacted right, report. That's even the mo- the most absurd part of it. Which. And, and if you don't understand this, let me help you. The unredacted report can't legally be released because Congress said after Bill Clinton's Star Report that you, you have to redact certain pri- certain things that are private that can't be released by grand jury testimony being one of yes. them. Yes. Well, that's the main one. You cannot release it. So they're holding the attorney general in contempt for following the law, for following the law that they set up. Yeah. Get that through your heads. Now, it didn't go to a full House vote, and I think it would be ridiculous if it did because you're asking him to break the law to give it to you. Now, but, Nadler okay. has the unredacted report. Yes. He just won't read it until everybody can read it, or well, it says. You, you understand You understand this has nothing to do with legality. It has nothing to do with whether Nadler understands how this works. This is this is pure political theater. Yeah. They, they have no – they have nothing else to do. They're, I mean, they're they're broken up into sort of these different groups where you've got the people like Pelosi, and again, this is amazing that Pelosi is somehow the the, the sanest voice in their caucus. That's scary. Who recognize impeachment is going nowhere? It's over once the Mueller report was issued. Uh, dead collusion is gone. So they want to focus on listen. They realize on their polling, this is not popular among the people we need to win over. But they also have to pretend, because their base is so unhinged, that we're still going to pursue this in some fashion. And Jerry Nadler counts on the fact that the American public and, in fact, the media that instructs them um, have are, are dopes or are simply ignorant, uninformed. And so they're going to play this theater where we're going to hold bar in contempt for, again, um, refusing to break the law. Congress could change this if they wanted to. If sure. they want to make grand jury testimony readily available, uh, they could change that law. But mm-hmm. right now, you literally can't release it. In fact, there is no obligation under the governing regulations. In fact, it's actually contrary to the regulations for Barr to have released any portion of this report. This isn't how it normally works. The special prosecutor submits the report. It's classified. It goes to the attorney general in the Department of Justice. The report itself is not for public consumption. Right. And what Barr right. did here, I think properly, understanding the level of interest, the significance, said, fine, we're going to release as much as possible. In fact, do you remember, Chad, first they were claiming he's not doing it fast enough. And yet the first thing that Barr did is he went to Mueller and he said, before you send it over, because this will hasten the process, make redactions that you think shouldn't be released based on existing law so we don't have to go through the did, – did Mueller's team do that? No. no. They refused. So they refused to do that. <laughs> then they complained, you're not releasing it fast enough. Then Barr – allowed this to be viewed by any member of Congress in its most unredacted form. Did any of the Democrats take him up on that offer? They claim they haven't. I don't know if they have. I don't think they have. They're not interested in it. The other thing is, as you pointed out, the most amazing part of this is where this whole – we spent weeks about 
uh, you know, uh, William Barr has misrepresented the report. <laughs> we have the report. Yep, it's right the there. portions, particularly in volume two, which deals with obstruction, I think the sum total of the redactions is two sentences and like seven other words. It's literally less than 1% of the report. And those portions must be redacted consistent with existing law. So this whole thing, remember when the memo is incomplete, you can read the report for yourself, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to download the entire Mueller report. And by the way, we have a friend. I don't know if it's Mueller, 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 M-U-E. It's German. L-E-R is German. I, the way you Mueller. say German, I don't – so if everyone say Mueller, I don't care. It's Mueller. M-U-E-L-L-E-R, Mueller. That's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> if you want to download the entire thing except for those crucial top-secret redactions that I'm sure hold the key to proving that Donald Trump was meeting with Putin in Gorky Park, other than that, you can read the whole thing for yourself. It doesn't much matter no. what he put in the memo. And by the way – Mueller himself, when he called Barr to complain, and if you notice, he complained about the fact that the media mm-hmm. was not presenting his report in the proper fashion. How and funny. what he meant by that is they're not sticking with my narrative that even though I can't prove anything, Donald Trump is really, really bad. And you need to get this out there. And I've identified 10 things that might be obstruction, even though I'm a prosecutor tasked with demonstrating either Yes or no, whether there's sufficient evidence to establish this, I'm just going to punt on that because I realize I'm going to have to say no. So instead, I'm just going to lard it up with all of this, all these details that have nothing to do with my job and hope that the media circulates it all in the hopes that he's impeached. That's the whole goal here. But if you don't like Mueller's summary, see, normally, Chad, when people complain – I mean, bar. If you don't like bar summary, normally when people complain about this, it's because we don't have access to the original document and the summary is – you can look at the whole thing. Yeah. And so if you want to decide that William Barr has – by the way, it's four pages. He never purported that I'm going to be able to completely <laughs> summarize a 400-page report. He got the main stuff correct, and Mueller told him in the conversation because Barr asked him, are you claiming that anything that's in the memo is inaccurate? And Mueller said, no, that is not what I am claiming. So why why are we even talking about this? Well, I thought it was hilarious that Kamala Harris, running for president, in in the Senate meeting, she asked Barr about the Mueller uh, phone call and conversation and letter that – we're not even sure Mueller wrote that one of his staffers may have written. She said to Barr, you, you, did you get what he said? He said, I summarized what he put in. I asked him to read it before I put it out and he declined. And then he complained afterwards that he didn't like how it came across in the media, as you said. So if you've got a problem, it's a problem with the media. It's not a problem with William Barr. He didn't do anything wrong. What have you noticed? Have you noticed all of these people who are whining, the crazies, like, you know, what's his name? Uh, Who's the guy from California? Not Schiff. The other guy. Ted Lieu. No, not Ted Lieu. Um, Eric, uh, what is it? Oh, the senator. Stillwall, or I I forget what his name is now. I mean, he's about, uh, among that group, which is an elite group of craziness, he's actually separated himself from the pack Uh as even more crazy. He compared the Mueller report to 9-11. 
So, so in any event, again, have you heard though? While they keep throwing out all these claims about Bill Barr is the, you know, he's the foot soldier and slavering minion of Donald Trump, and he, have they actually identified a single thing in the memo that they claim? Is not accurate. No, they. Claim, I keep hearing it's not accurate. Well, I keep hearing that William Barr lied. He should resign. Right. Have you, you heard, heard that single, from over and right. over Have and you over. heard a single person like Kamala Harris say, for instance, no. on page two, no. line three of the memo, no. you say this when the Mueller report actually says that. Yeah, there's nothing inaccurate no. about what he stated. They're, they're trying to nitpick. When did you know from Mueller that he didn't like it? But Mueller never said he didn't agree with what was said he just didn't like how it came across and as ben shapiro says he didn't like the background music well too bad and by the way do you think in this universe in this reality in which we exist that mueller's team would stand by okay this team of hyper partisan lawyers leakers and leakers <laughs> who who were I mean, they were bending over backwards, torturing themselves, you know, tying themselves into knots, trying to find something, something to get Trump on. That if William Barr had issued a memo that was inconsistent, lied about the main findings of their report, number one, again, we have to pretend we don't actually have the report. We're just sitting right there. You can buy it Do right now. Do you think that these guys would have sat on their hands and not issued yet another missive that they would have leaked, either from Andrew Weissman or Mueller right. himself, saying, we take strenuous objection to the misrepresentations of the Trump, the Trump, uh, you know, talking head, the sock puppet. Now, isn't that amazing, though? The media, is, they're claiming the media is misrepresenting the tone and nuance of the report. This is the media that's in the bag for right. you at right. all times. Well, it's almost like what Mueller's saying is, no, no, listen, you, you guys are rolling over and playing dead too soon. Like, you have to – this is really bad. You guys got to play up the fact that Trump had bad thoughts about doing things that he never did and obstructing things he never actually obstructed on crimes that don't actually exist. Because I admitted in the first volume of the report there was no collusion, which is the predicate for the entire investigation. And <laughs> – you're entirely within your rights as the president to fire James Comey for any reason whatsoever, including for being a complete sanctimonious pinhead. It doesn't matter. But they have to keep this alive because this is all they have. Well, I, 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 my belief is because William Barr said, I'm going to look into how this all oh, came about. Well, yes, correct. So every single Democrat stands up and said, he must resign. He's lied. He's he's diminished the office of the attorney general. He must resign. He's a foot soldier. He's Donald Trump's personal lawyer, not the lawyer of the United States of America. That's Nancy Pelosi. What? Right. You're gonna you're gonna diminish it. You're trying to diminish his standing so exactly. that when his finding comes out and said, "Oops, by the way, we did all this." Exactly. Then it doesn't seem this as bad. Is, this is all. I mean, that's correct. This is all a preemptive strike. There's a lot of people now. People like Brennan and mm -hmm. Comey and Clapper all and fighting all each the other. rest of them <laughs> Who's the who now scumbag? realize – because here's the thing. You can tell that Bill Barr, he's pretty unflappable. Mm -hmm. Like he just doesn't care. So they can shout all of their nonsense, treason, it's high treason, you must resign. And he kind of yawns. Like, he's like, yep. well, we're going to get to the bottom of this. You know, How dare you say spying? Uh, spying is a good English word. I think that's pretty much what was going on. And in fact, he said – it's okay. I get it. The FBI is allowed to spy. There has to be a proper predicate. And that's what we're going to find out because yeah. I really haven't gotten very many good answers. Well, there's now a lot of people who don't like this. Okay, Ooh, They've now got the guy up in Connecticut uh -huh. who's already been working on this, the federal yep. prosecutor, for months. Yep. 
these people are now, you know, they've already sent their cables, SOS cables out to the New York Times and the Washington Post. We got to start getting in front of this. You better We got to tar this guy uh-huh. as a traitor and a Trump minion and a court jester because there's a threat to us now. Yeah, there's a big threat. And, and if this gets completely followed through as it should, you're going to see some serious heads roll. I don't think anybody's going to jail. Maybe maybe some underlings are going to jail, but it, it should diminish. Well, you've these already people. seen, like for instance, this whole thing about we didn't spy. Well, of course they spied. They were spying all over the place. And the New York Times has written now several articles, sort of trying to, you know, a one of these uh, tutorials, trying to explain now what was really going on here. Yes, interestingly, they did have a a guy who's in the employee of the CIA, and also this woman who's in the employee of the CIA, and they're <laughs> running these people in a sting operation against Papadopoulos. Mm-hmm. Um, Who hasn't been charged. Right. And so, <laughs> so you know, the FBI, that's not really spying. It's just using human assets to gather intelligence against people that might have information that potentially benefit. Yes, it's spying. And so now you already see this is coming out, where they're, they're having to admit, well, we can't, we can't pretend this didn't happen anymore. How are we going to spin this? This is going to keep happening, mm-hmm. because... They keep getting more – as more of this information is dragged to light. Another thing that's happened recently, Judicial Watch, which is invaluable. It's this organization. Tom Fitton is the – I guess the president of this thing where they continually try to pry these documents loose from the federal government and they get stonewalled. Well, now they've obtained additional emails from the State Department. I forget <laughs> what the lady's name was who at the time prior to the Steele dossier – being used on the first FISA application for Carter Page was writing basically this this thing does not make any sense. The stuff in it is fictitious. The stuff about there's a there's a Russian consulate in Miami. No. And so she's raising alarm bells about steel back even before. And yet within 10 days of that email, which had to have gone to the FBI, they use this in application number one to get Yes, to be allowed to spy on Carter Page, who they alleged was an asset of a foreign power, a traitor, Mm -hmm. someone working with an enemy of the country as a spy, as a foreign intelligence traitor. Well, this can't this this is not going to withstand scrutiny. The more that this comes out, there's nothing that they can say. There's nothing that they can do. Um, So they never expected this. They were never supposed to be in this position. And they are. And it was renewed three times. And Carter Page still hasn't been charged with anything. So you got a FISA warrant and renewed it three times based on Carter Page being right. whatever. And so that if okay, cuz there's this is like a mass exercise in gaslighting by the media where we're literally they're telling people, "Oh, it's only the Alex Joneses of the world mm. that think this is any, you know, the deep state. <laughs> You're all nuts." Okay, ask <laughs> yourself this question. At a minimum what this means, setting aside all the other stuff. The FBI went to a top-secret foreign intelligence court, which is used for counterintelligence operations against enemy governments, and made this accusation. Carter Page, an American citizen, is working, actively working, for the Russian government to undermine America. What was the basis for that claim? Because... You're supposed so I would want to know at a minimum, even if you're a skeptic and say Chad and Tony are bonkers because they're drinking, you know, all of the Trump Kool Aid. Sure. What were the facts upon which that accusation was based, such that they could convince a FISA judge to issue surveillance on an American citizen who ultimately was never even charged with jaywalking? Now, and remember, this was occur- this was occurring 
in mid-2016, all this has been continued to investigate up until a month ago. Never charged him. Never Nothing. charged him. He didn't, they didn't even get him on a process crime, no. right? They didn't get him on tax evasion. They didn't get him on... At least not to this point. Nothing's know, been done. Mixing plastics with paper, whatever, in his recycling. <laughs> and remember, they are specifically claiming in this application, not, you know what? He seems to have a lot of ties with Russia. We should look into that. No, 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 no. That's not sufficient. They had to allege that they had verified documented, reliable information that this guy was working for the KGB, essentially, but they against didn't. America. They didn't have any of that, and it's all based on the Steele dossier, which is, a, is ridiculous. Right. Well, And, of course, the defenders keep saying, oh, well, the FBI, you know, the Steele dossier, that's a red herring. They had other information. Please share it with us. Yes. What other information did you provide Nothing. to this court? Nothing. Because, curiously... After two years and eight billion man hours from all of the, you know, the team of Trump hunters, Carter Page is walking around with not a single indictment, not a single claim, nothing. Yeah. How did you make such a huge error? If it's, Four times. We're going to be charitable. We're going to be charitable and say it was an error. Yeah. Four times. What's the basis for that? And that's one of the things that William Barr wants to find out. Which he what should. is the predicate? For the government spying on this guy, and of course, by extension, the entire Trump campaign. Yeah. You, four separate warrants, four separate FISA warrants against Page and the entire Trump apparatus. What was that based on, Mr. FBI man, Mr. CIA man? Can't tell you. And it better be something more than this dossier because but it isn't. we've known we know from the isn't. beginning the dossier is a, is a fantasy. It's yes. laughable. Yes. Mr. Steele, we've talked about this. He's already in, in court in sworn testimony in England in a libel suit. He's denied that any of this stuff had any validity whatsoever. It was raw intelligence. I can't vouch for it. Nothing. No, you paid me and I gave you what you wanted to hear. That's it. End of story. And the State Department in these emails knew, it's specifically mm-hmm. referenced in the emails, that Steele wanted the information to be public before the election mm-hmm. because he was a rabid Trump hater and this was known to the FBI. The FBI never disclosed any of that, nor did they disclose that he had been fired for leaking information while they then obtained successive FISA warrants based on him being a reliable source. And we've also talked about the fact that he's not a source at all. No. He's just a provider of information. And we had no idea who the sources were, except for the fact that they're part of the Russian government, who's apparently... That's all the source you need. They had an epiphany. Those are our enemies. Maybe we shouldn't trust them. Maybe they're running a counterintelligence operation right now against the Democratic Party and Fusion GPS. Did anyone think of any of this? No, 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 no. Yeah, British citizen telling you Russian citizens are out to, to get the DNC, and that's what we're supposed to believe. How many, how many people, because I'm not a consumer of, I mean, I, I read the New York Times, I'll read the Washington Post, but I'm generally wow. not a consumer really? of, yeah, on occasion. <laughs> I'm not a consumer of media. But here's the thing, all this stuff that you and I are talking about, these mm-hmm. are all, again, we're not getting this off of some, no. uh, you know, thread it's on uh, of you know, Republican <laughs> underground or whatever it's called. <laughs> 
These are all facts. How many people do you think even know any of this? How many people Very do few. you think even know who Bruce Orr is? Very who, few. who Nelly Orr is? Very few. What, who Fusion GPS well, is? If they listen to our show, they do. But I would say most people you walk around with meeting don't have any clue who this is. They don't know who any of these they've, names are. They've heard are. nothing of well, this. They're not going to and because is, the media won't share And this is, again, why I say it's really an exercise in gaslighting where the media is basically telling people, oh, you're crazy to believe that any of this was going on. Yeah. And by the way, William Barr hasn't said – I've reached any conclusions. He said, I think it's very significant uh, whenever there is spying on a presidential campaign. And so we're going to find out why this was done. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was justified, but I'm not getting answers that I would consider to be adequate or sufficient uh, to explain this. Well, it's a, it's a higher – when you're putting something like this in place against a presidential, a presidential nominee from a major political party in the United States, you better have more than crayon drawings from – from a crazy man who's already been proven to be a liar. You, you better have a whole lot more than that because I hate to think that our government says, eh, I'll just throw anything down on paper. The Russian yeah. embassy in Miami. I'll throw anything down on paper simply because I'm the government. And if I go to this court, they're going to give me whatever I ask for, which has to question the judges on this, this court going, really? I mean, did they even read what was given to them? Or did they just say, they took the summary from the government and said, Sounds good. They didn't even read it either. That's a well, problem again, for me. Well, again, at a minimum, the, the huge problem that I would have is that any judge that signed off on this should have been asking the FBI, so Christopher Steele is the one that has the firsthand information? I'd like to see that. Oh, <laughs> well, no. No, no. He's a good guy, though. He, did we tell you he's, he's British? Yes. Somehow he, that he makes He talks important. with a British accent. He's very smart. Honest. <laughs> he's worked with us for a long time. He uh, lied for us forever. But who are the actual sources of the information? Well, we can't really disclose that, Your Honor. They're, they're shadowy Russian people, perhaps affiliated with the KGB, perhaps entirely made up like Alice in Wonderland. We don't really know. But trust us again, Christopher Steele, totally great guy. Great, yeah. great guy. Great, great guy. You don't really need to worry yourself about who the actual sources are or how they know this or whether it's triple hearsay or whether they read it, read it in some underground email chain. Remember, we also talked about the fact Christopher Steele was asked – during testimony on some other information that he got, whether he realized that what he was reading were basically – it was on CNN's website that were user comments that were not at all actual news, nor were they vetted or checked. And his answer was, no, I'm not, I'm not actually aware of that. This is the this right. Is so you're literally like going onto Facebook. Oh, look at this juicy detail. Someone has more information about Donald Trump. Let's post this. <laughs> Oh, wait, you're not aware that that's actually just random people that are posting this from all around the country? Yeah. No, I'm not really aware of that. That wasn't part of my MI6 training when Bond was there. Yes, yes. I, I have to read this because it just came out today uh, from Justin Amish. Amish. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. A-M-A-S-H. He has decided that you have to impeach Trump. And here's reason. Wait, is this, is this the Michigan GOP guy? It is. Okay, great. Here's his principal yeah. conclusions. This is on Twitter, so yeah. give it what it deserves. Right. Attorney General Barr has deliberately misrepresented Mueller's report. Evidence, please. Yeah. Is, is there any? Does he list, does he he list does the not. bullet points? He does not. Huh, shocking. President Trump has engaged in impeachable conduct. Again, what is that? Right. Partisanship has eroded our system of checks and balances. Hold on. The reason for impeachment is partisanship has eroded our systems of checks and balances. So that's why you impeach the president, because our political system has eroded checks and balances. Gotcha. And four, few members of Congress have read the report. 
So the reason to impeach the president is because few members can read. But he has. He never says he has. Well, but (laughs) even if he has, strangely, he hasn't identified the sections of the report which demonstrate that he should be impeached. Correct. Well, not reading it shouldn't make a difference. Again, as someone who – we have to say this every time – as someone who's a non-Trump voter, but also someone who is far more alarmed by the behavior of Trump's political enemies that is ongoing, I would say, and I know Donald Trump would say, please, please, please impeach me. Yeah. Now, now that's not a good out. thing for the country. And there's, I'm sure there's part of him that doesn't want that to happen because the whole purpose of it would be to hamstring any sort of ability to conduct the affairs of government. That's part of the problem. But nevertheless, as a political matter, please make his day. Mm-hmm. Please let let the public see Jerry Nadler as the face of the Democratic Party, <laughs> right? And Maxine Waters oh. and all the other crew, you know, Krusty mm-hmm. the Crazy Clown posse or whatever that are running around. We want to impeach him. And by the way, impeachment is not, you know, high crimes and misdemeanors. It's not defined. It's not a legal term. It's a political remedy. So if they really want to do this, they can. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Prove it. Spend the next nine months. Working on this, ginning up all of your your scrolls of impeachment, let Maxine Waters read them from the foot of the Washington Monument, you know, with a, you know, with Beyonce performing in the background or whatever. And then (laughs) in the run up to the presidential campaign, by the way, you see de Blasio is now throwing his hat into the ring. Excellent. Great. Um, You can you can have Donald Trump out there talking about this Mm -hmm. all day long. Mm -hmm. Is that what you want? Excellent. Yeah. He's going to get more airtime. Four more years, baby. (laughs) I mean, literally, you, it's almost like they can't help themselves. Now, this guy obviously is GOP, and he he, he has his own political reasons for doing sure, this. He's sure. in Michigan, yes. So this may be one of these ways where he's going to get on CNN as one of the good Republicans. Yes, yes. Which, which they're using you. I, I know you probably know that because you're probably an intelligent well, human and I don't being, care. but they're Listen, using you. I wouldn't care in the least if this guy came out and said, Donald Trump is a man of low character. Donald Trump should not be president. He's not statesmanlike. That's fine. That's all true. But if you're going to talk about impeachment, again, what's the basis for it? Attorney General Barr has deliberately misrepresented Mueller's report. I get it. President Trump has engaged in impeachable conduct. Partisanship has eroded our system of checks and balances, and few members of Congress have read the report. That is not the reason for impeachment. Didn't you hear me the first time? Let me repeat myself. Question begging, question begging, question begging. (laughs) Aren't you convinced? So I have a question. We've got the Mueller report. Congress has – whether they read it or not is up to them, but they, they have it if they choose to read it. Why are we still having interviews? Why are we still having congressional because meetings? I know it's for TV time. and it's, This I, is all they can do. But you have the report. Getting William Barr to talk more about it doesn't change what's in the report. So why do we have the report? Because, because the report doesn't help us. So we so, need to have bread and circuses. That's what we well, need. Well, I, I think they could get Mueller up there. If they wanted to, but I don't think he really wants to testify. I well, think here's it's... the thing. I don't think Bob Mueller wants to be up there against anybody who's a competent cross-examiner so that he can come up there and spin his narrative and then have someone ask him very specific, detailed questions. Mr. Mueller, um, where exactly is the evidence in your report that constitutes prima facie obstruction of justice? Hmm. hmm. Well, I didn't really reach that conclusion. And why is it that? You're the prosecutor. That was your job. Because you notice, remember we talked about this, the way he formulated this? He says, I, um, while I cannot uh, find any evidence uh, of 
uh, sufficient to conclude that an indictment is warranted for obstruction. Neither do I exonerate the president. Is that what prosecutors do? No. No, no. See, prosecutors don't exonerate people. Prosecutors make a very simple determination. Is there sufficient evidence under the law to support the charge? Yes or no? Now, the question then for Bob Mueller becomes, you didn't charge him. Does that mean you don't have sufficient evidence? Um, that's for, that is not for me, but that is your job, correct? Why did we spend two years and billions of dollars uh, for you to punt this back to, you mean the attorney general could have just done this by themselves from the beginning? Why did we need you exactly? Well, did you listen to Kamala Harris when she asked Barr, she said, did you go back through all of the testimony before you reached your conclusion? He said, no, I read the report. And I assumed what they were telling me was factual. I don't have time to go back and read tens of thousands of pages. Right. Because you're and busting again, my butt to get it out so here. So that's what you wanted me to do. You wanted me to do that. When right. you were a prosecutor, you so, never did that. I right. No, again, you, so basically Robert Mueller was irrelevant and superfluous. What was the need for him at all? Sure. You should have just had me do all of yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Totally, right. totally makes sense. Let's move on a little bit. So we talk about politics constantly. I look at politics as two large tents, okay? Open-air tents, you can come and go as you please, one being the Democrat, one being the Republican. They're smaller tents for the, the third parties who were never going to win anything, but they feel like they like to con- congregate with each other. But if you look at those tents, let's look at the Republican tent for a second. Yes, you have – if we're being honest, there's far-right or neo-Nazis and everything who probably identify with the GOP. That doesn't mean the GOP wants them there, but you really can't kick them out because they exist and they're free citizens. So they're, they're probably kind of I mean, milling are, around are the outside. Say, basically what you're saying is if, if, you, if you took the fringe neo-Nazi Aryan supremacist scum vote, yeah. are they more likely to align with the Republican or the Democratic agenda? I think you're right. I think yeah. far more likely to align – again – even though I'm not really sure what they're aligning with, but that's where they're going to tilt. Maybe, maybe they're, they're going anti – the other party, not so right. much for the one party. But although I, the, the one, I will say, I think that's generally accurate. Although the one caveat I will make there is when it comes to anti-Semitism, okay, which is a huge issue, that group is not going to align with the Republican Party at all. Correct. Because the Republican Party right now is really the only party, even though the Democrats pay lip service to this, they have a huge anti-Semitism problem in yes. the Democratic Party. Yes. Massive. Well, we'll get We've to that. We've talked about this. So in other words, on that issue, that group of people are not going to want anything to do with the Republican Party. They're going to say, oh, no, we actually – can we hear some more of that, uh, that lovely representative from Minnesota? She's great. Yeah, yeah. She has lots of interesting well, we'll things We'll get to that to one in a second. But just the Republicans – there's a more mainstream feel to it. There's some division here and there, and, and I wouldn't say it's a completely unified party. Well, there's huge division but, over Trump. Right, and I think that's where the, most of the division comes from. But you've got the fringe hanging around the outside, you know, trying to get some more d'oeuvres, sneak them off the table. You go to the other tent, the Democratic tent, the DNC tent, and let's, let's break down what's actually under that tent, okay? Oh, I don't think I want to. Well, and I think this is where I think there's a serious issue here, and I want to know how this party can survive with these vast problems. So you've got your Muslim brotherhood with Ilhan Omar, okay, which if I understand the Muslim faith correctly, they're anti-LGBTQ, yet 
They're in the same tent. They're right in the center of that tent. You've got the trees are more important than people groups. You've got the, the Green New Deal. You've got all that on the one side. Then you've got the, you know, the women's rights. Again, women's rights with the Muslims. They usually don't go together too well. Women don't have a lot of standing in a Muslim community. So you've got some vast major differences which are diametrically opposite. You've got Ilhan Omar and Regina Tlaib. Um, or Rashida, it's Rashida, right? Sorry. I think so. Um, and then you've got Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Those are not in the same universe anywhere else but in the Democratic Party. You've got uh, Bernie Sanders who wants to give away everything and everybody's trying to out-give away Bernie in every time they speak. And then you've got the people who just, they exist and say, let me alone. We've got people in our church who probably liberally aligned socially with the Democrats, except I don't think they support Ilhan Omar. I don't think they support. No. How does that coalition exist and go forward as, as it gets pushed further and further away from the, 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 the uh, FDR Democrats who probably were more socialist than Democrat. How does that work? I, I don't understand how these two, this tent can exist without imploding. Well, it can exist. I mean, they say the same thing about the Republican Party. There's always the, you know, the, the doom is approaching. It's over. When Obama was elected, that's all you heard, all these but things. What, but the, the views of the Republican Party are not so there, – there's people out there who are pro-choice well, who are Republicans. There's a, exactly. But there's but other, not a vast majority. No, there's other fissures within the Republican Party. And clearly right now there's been a lot of pieces written about how Trump is going to destroy the I, – I have read dozens of pieces about how Trump is going to destroy the Republican Party, even if he's two terms because he's so, he's so opposed to anything that anyone would recognize as traditional conservative and, and – by the way, conservatism is not the same thing as republicanism. Right. Um, so there are those fractures. I think you have identified a problem with the Democratic Party, which is one of the reasons why they have to focus so much on essentially scaring everyone. And this is ironic because one of the one of the huge complaints that I hear all the time about the Republican Party is the Republican Party is a fear mongering party. Right. <laughs> you've got all of these. No, you've got all these mouth breathing evangelical voters. Right who are going to church in their general Lee and they're uh, listening to talk radio and they're um, reading Rush Limbaugh's books that they buy at Walmart. And they're all a bunch of easily duped, easily uh, controlled lemmings. And the way they're controlled is by constantly being told about the other and, and the threat from the gays, right? It's all about fear. (laughs) Now that is a caricature. I'm sure there are, a small segment of the population that are uh, motivated by these things. But in my observation, the party that talks incessantly about fear is the left, yes. the Democrats. Oh, pick any issue. The Republicans are going to take away your health care and millions are going to die. Mm-hmm. It's always, By the way, it's always millions are going to die. Mm-hmm. Oh, global warming. The earth is ending. It is imminent if you don't, if you don't implement the Green New Deal. Well, AOC or, said you didn't. You didn't get her dry humor. It really wasn't right, of 12 course, years. Of course. Yes, yeah, she is. Sure. I, I, exactly. <laughs> so you hear this, right? The, the earth, literally, mm-hmm. the earth is ending. It's intent. No, it's seven. No, okay, it's 12 years. Whatever. It's going to end unless you implement our redistributive policies. Now, immediately, give us more power. 
pick any issue, abortion. If you let the Republicans control the Supreme Court and they repeal Roe v. Wade, women, all of them crawling on their knees in back alleys to get abortions, everything is the handmaid's tale. Everything is the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Evil Republicans are going to push the elderly off of cliffs in their wheelchairs. Donald Trump's stormtroopers are going to be in your neighborhood sending the New York Times reporters in the cattle cars down to Gitmo. That's all you hear. Mm -hmm. I don't really hear very much of that. And maybe you say, oh, Tony, you live in a bubble. Of course they say these things. But I have to tell you that the vast majority of policy positions that I hear from the left all have to do with how evil and wicked. And if you allow these people to have power, even remember good old Joe Biden, right, who's now their leading contender, (laughs) they are going to put you all back in chains, right? Mm -hmm. It's focused on this gets to your point. Because they really have no coherent worldview other than striving for power so that we can control other people and implement utopia, they have to figure out a way to make all of these fractious and fractured groups exist together because they do have very different interests. How do you do that? You set up – you demonize people. What do they do with the black community? Mm -hmm. If you elect the Republicans – we're back to Jim Crow. They literally say things like this. I know. Voter ID is Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, wait, you just go to the DMV and you get a picture. That's Jim Crow? I don't think that was what was going on during Jim Crow. <laughs> maybe I, I read the wrong history or, books. Yeah. I don't know. It's Jim Crow. It's racism. The black body, right? Mm-hmm. It will be crushed. Mm-hmm. That's all they have. Because they don't really want to talk too much about all of these conflicts that you've identified. Because that becomes problematic for them. Because it's essentially a group, uh, it's it's a hierarchy of victim groups, and then it's just a spoil system. We're going to give you this. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you that. No, I'm going to give you more of that. <laughs> I'm more free stuff. I'm the most free stuff, right? So I, I agree with you that I think there's tensions within each party. You know, the never Trump uh, wing of the Republicans now, they're going to have to figure out where they fit in this universe. And that's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out. And then we haven't even talked about sort of the, the you know, the evangelical Christian world and kind of where that falls, right? Because there's huge <laughs> schisms there. But I think if you're looking at purely from the perspective of which party has a bigger tent and which party has the ability uh, to accept differing, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Can the Democratic Party accept from any mainstream person who is going to be recognized as either a political or an intellectual leader, do they accept any opposition to their Gospels? No, no, no. Can you be an open, pro-life leading Democrat? Is there one? I mean, I guess you could say that Bob Casey, uh, but does he talk about that much? Uh, Not, not, he's a state senator, or he's a senator from pennsylvania but i don't can you, I don't could, know you could you exist in the current democratic party if you came out and had any reticence whatsoever about abortion on demand i, I would say so. no could so. you express, not nationally could you express any level of skepticism about global warming and the imminent demise of creation not nationally no, absolutely i not. think you could locally i think if you're running sure. for u.s house in a local i'm district, talking about a, na- at a national no. level to no, have no. any influence. You'll get no national traction. Well, not only that, you'll be you... demonized. You, you will be run out of right. town. On the other hand, you can stand up as a Republican and say, I'm pro-choice. You can stand up as a Republican and say, I believe in global warming and I think things should be done. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be scapegoated and cast out as a leper. No. 
Now you maybe there's probably more people within the party that disagree with you. I, I think it's a, you're the you're in the minority if you're you're in the minority. But, but that will not even be accepted no. on the left right now. Well, because I think the left is trying to balance those things you talked about. And at what point does one of those caucuses say, "Hey, you've left me behind, and you've chosen another favored son." Now what do I, where do I get anything? Where do I get? And I think that's the black community in the Democratic Party. They've been taken for granted for decades because they just assume en masse they will vote Democrat. And it's well, shifted and towards Hispanics and Muslims and Mexicans and, and that's whatever. Why people, that's why people like Candace Owen or even Kanye, for crying out loud. <laughs> but anyone who is a, a prominent member of the African-American community – who starts to question, you know, what have we gotten out of this arrangement? This monolithic support mm -hmm. for one party for the for the better part of probably what, the last seven decades? Yeah. And they people are starting to notice, you know what? Not all that much. No. And in fact, the other even worse thing that they're noticing is, well, say what you want about Donald Trump and his character, but African Americans seem to be doing pretty well. Um, in terms of employment. But, Tony, unemployment for the black community is a point higher than it is for the rest of the population. Obviously, Trump right. doesn't care about the black community. Right. Even though even though it's eight well, points lower than it was is, under Obama. Finally, finally, Obama's 13-year plan has has yielded results, uh, as, he, as he always said it would. Uh, I know eventually, I'll be proven right. Eventually, my brilliance will yield all of its fruit in 13 years. You're just going to have to wait. Look, as yes. I prophesied, this has now happened. Here it comes. And I think that's, the, that's where I'm coming from. The, the Blexit, I think, is what Candace Owens is talking about, the black exit from the Democratic Party. Wake up, see what's out there, and say, what am I getting out of this? Why am I continuing to support this system that continues to not get me? We were, I was talking with my family this evening. And we were talking about all the promises the Democratic candidates are making. Everything. Everyone's one-upping everyone else yeah. to give you more of something they're never going to give you. And my point to my father was, these are all people, mostly people are in Congress. That's where laws are made. I don't know if you're familiar with how the country works, but I laws thought, are... I thought the president made the laws, Chad. That's, that's, the, that's the thing they keep saying. If I'm president, I will do this. <laughs> well, you're in Congress. You can propose those bills. No, it's better. It's but, better with the royal pen and phone. But, but do you understand what they're asking? They're saying, I can't do it in Congress where it's supposed to be done. They're talking about usurping powers from the, from right. the checks and balances. I need to be president to do the thing I, I should be doing in Congress. Right. So if it's such a great idea, why are you not proposing it now? Because well, I have to get reelected, and that would be unfair to make me take, well, a, take a position on all of these crazy ideas. That I'm never going to enact. I'm right. ne you're not going to get free education from any of these yahoos. They're, they're not giving you free education because they know in their heart of hearts there's no money to pay for it. Who's going to pay you to go to college? They said, well, they can do it in Canada. Yes, in Canada where they have 50 million people. We have 350 million people. Where is it coming from? Who's going to say, you know what? I don't need a house. I'd rather have Johnny down the street get get free education because that will benefit Johnny, not me. People aren't going to give up what they don't have to give up. Oh, I, I just, you're, you're so negative. You're <laughs> always just shooting down all the all the rainbowy plans. It's it, very very depressing. You are correct. I am shooting down the rainbow plans that are never going to happen, and they will they will tell you anything they can to get nominated. And then elected, and they will do none of them. None of them. 
When, when all this was going on, we had to get universal health care. Well, here's the thing. You say they will do none of them. Um, I, I think that's true in, in the sense that it's impossible. It's impossible as – it's empirically impossible and from, from an economic perspective. However, it's not going to prevent them from trying. Okay, and in the trying – because these people are true believers. I mean, people like AOC, they're impervious to reality. It doesn't matter to them. It only matters, as she said once, I think. I'm not really, you know, it's not that the, I don't care if the facts are on my side. It's like the, what did she say? Facts. Morally. I'm, I'm morally correct, right? Yeah, let's um, talk about that for a second. Because I think that's, Joe Biden keeps hitting on the moral, moral, moral. And I think we, we confuse sociology with facts. And what I mean is, Morality shifts with populations and thoughts and, and feelings. Morality isn't a fixed point in time. People say it, people well, act like it well, is. Well, wait, certainly not for the secular world. I mean, well, not for, for the secular world. For someone that's not a Christian who, who well, doesn't. That, and that's what I'm getting at. All, all things positive come from God, and he determines what is correct and what is incorrect. We, as secular interpretation would say, well, I think that's moral, but I think that's immoral. Well, it's our interpretation. And that's what this get along and to go along attitude is. Well, if it makes you feel good, you're happy about it, do it. Well, that's not morality. That's just doing whatever you feel like and saying, I claim it's moral because I want to do it. And you can't tell me yeah. I can't do it. So Bill Biden claiming immorality on everything he doesn't agree with doesn't make it immoral. Using the whether you like it or not, the uh, law in Alabama about abortion, okay, that just got signed by the governor. Here's, here's what I want people to remember. Every time some of these protesters comes out and says, old white men shouldn't tell me what to do with my body. Yeah. Forget that Roe versus Wade was decided by nine old white men, and you're okay with that. So you only pick and choose what you like and then say, well, old white men shouldn't tell me what to do with my body. They're not telling you what to do with your body. They're telling you what to do with the body who's in your body. They're telling you what to do with the fetus, the, ba the baby in your body. And that's murder anywhere else, but apparently it's not here. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with the Alabama. It's going to get challenged, so, just like well, the sure Georgia is. one is. They're going to get challenged. And we'll have to see where that all folds out. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But the interesting thing about this is um, this is the way the process is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. In other words, before Roe v. Wade, this is how this is how federalism works. Yeah. The the people of every state and their elected representatives can decide how they want to treat an issue, you know, as contentious as abortion. And some states again, we've talked about this, that for me personally, abortion is an abomination. Mm -hmm. But I am comfortable living in this country within the government that we have to say um, we have 50 different, essentially, sovereign governments at the state level. Mm -hmm. And even though I may, may vehemently disagree with a decision of the people of a particular state, because I think, for instance, in Pennsylvania, I think given, given the demographics, we would, we would be a state that would say, no, abortion is fine. Um, it'd be close, but I think that's – but that's the system that should exist, which is each the way it existed pre-Roe. Right, right. And I don't remember how many exactly. There was probably 28 states or something that had made it illegal, or maybe I've got that flipped. But in other words, there was still a sizable number of states where abortion was legal. And I think most people on the street don't even realize that. They, they think that if, if Roe would, is repealed, reversed tomorrow. It's not mm -hmm. repealed. If it's right. reversed and that decision no longer exists, it's no longer good law, I think the media has taught most people that that means that 
abortion is illegal everywhere. Uh, mothers <laughs> can be thrown in jail. That's just not. That's just not true. No. So people can rail all they want against Georgia and against Alabama, but this is how the process is supposed to work. The people and their elected re- representatives are saying, "Here's what we believe about this particular issue." Now, again, as you you have a right to challenge that, sure, and they go will. up to the courts, I know that. determine whether it's constitutional. Um, but this is this is a far better way. It's, as you pointed out, it's ironic. The people that don't want the nine old white men telling them what to do, they're totally outcomes oriented because that's entirely how they have jammed through their agenda. Mm-hmm. The how did they? By the way, even though it wasn't all old white men, it was nine unelected people in robes who gave them the decision that they had been clamoring for for years. Mm-hmm. Obergefell, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? The legislative process and referenda were not working for them. Right. It just wasn't going the way they wanted, which which is why the Supreme Court, unfortunately, has become such such a, a battleground. It's not supposed to be a policy-making part of our government. No, and yet that's what it's so. become. That's what everyone yeah. understands. You get your person on the court, and then they have to vote this particular way. Yes. Now – the media portrays this as if and I disagree with this. We've talked about this, that you get those wicked Republicans on there and they vote for the big corporations and they <laughs> they vote for isms, you know, whatever it is. They support whatever ism comes down the road, racism, <laughs> sexism, jingoism. But in fact, in terms of judicial philosophy, and you're already seeing this even with Kavanaugh, John Roberts has not been a lockstep if you want to use the the political term conservative, do you ever see a single member of the four person notorious RBG axis deviate no. one iota no. from a predetermined political outcome in any contentious no. culture war case? I have never. No. No. You could gamble your entire family's life. Do you think this is the one on abortion where someone may? No. But you know what? You you have to a little bit worry about. I don't know. I don't know where John Roberts is going to come down on this. John Roberts salvaged Obamacare. Mm-hmm. People seem to forget that. Yes. Anthony Kennedy, Brett Kavanaugh, even right now. I don't know what's going on with him. He may be laying low. I don't. I saw that. I don't know if I believe that. But the ju- the point is the jurisprudence of someone like a Clarence Thomas or a Sam Alito or, of course, you know, an Antonin Scalia is not an activist jurisprudence, even though that's the label. Why? Because what they fundamentally believe is if it's a question that is designed to be decided by the people and not by the – because it's not within the document, the statute of the Constitution that we're interpreting – our role is not to say, well, guess what? I went to Harvard. I'm really, really smart. We're just going to have to decide. No, their answer is always it's not for this court to decide. Which is how it should be. That is not an activist judicial philosophy. You may not like the outcomes of that philosophy when your predestined group doesn't win. You know, the corporation won. Like as if I hear Jeffrey Tubin say this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, in this case, the very poor, impoverished, handicapped person lost and the giant pharmaceutical company won. That means it's illegitimate. Gee, Jeff, did you actually examine what the legal question was, or what the underlying facts were? We don't care about that. You got to stop listening to Jeffrey Tubin. No, <laughs> but, but he's, he's just symptomatic of how this is analyzed. Yeah, yeah. It's all based on a political result that we want. It has nothing to do with the, the legal question before the court, the facts before the court. And so when I hear people say, you you evangelicals, and you, you just want to control the court so you can jam through your agenda. Actually, 
when you're electing originalists, they're not really guys that want to jam through agendas. They may come down on the side that you don't like because most of their decisions are, we can't do this. You don't win. You've overreached. But it's not. Antonin Scalia never wrote a single opinion that said, you know what? The Constitution doesn't really say anything about this, but I have detected in the penumbras and the emanations, and based on my detailed study of the Constitution of, I don't know, South Africa, I think we should go in this direction because, again, I'm a really brilliant dude and a polymath, and this is just the best thing. You will hear all sorts of that kind of reasoning from Ruth Bader Ginsburg Mm -hmm. and Breyer and Sotomayor because, again, it's just pick the outcome you want and then justify it. And that I want – I want nine justices, not 12 or 15 or 29. I want nine justices who will sit there and say, is it in the Constitution? Yes or no. And if it isn't, we're not taking the case. We're not we're going to decide that this not it's not seen here. You don't get to have what you want. But you're right. There are four locksteps who will give you you everything. And again, those become those are not always black and white questions. Okay, there's a lot of back and forth. And you're, so, in other words, there's never a bright line. We can clearly decide this. But the point is, is that that philosophy in general is not an activist philosophy. No. At all. Shouldn't it be. just isn't. And it should be. By definition, it is not. Now, now, one comment from Kamala Harris. She's been great this week. She said, when put on the spot, if I'm elected president, I give the, the Congress 100 days to act on gun control. <laughs> and if they don't do it. I'm going to use my pen, and I'm going well, who to. Who does that? But who does that sound like? That sounds like Obama. But the point is, she's going to use her pen to take away your guns. We were just talking about constitutionality. I believe it's the Second Amendment to right to be, keep and bear arms, and that can't be unencumbered by an executive order of a power mad president. That I, I can see it going to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court hopefully saying, uh, no. You, you, you do, don't do you, need to do by that. By the way, do you think that this is a rhetorical question? Do you think that all the people that right now are are rending their garments over Trump, the let's pick the uh, description, <laughs> the tyrant, the strong man, um, over all of his alleged usurpations of the Constitution? Do you think the same groups that are you know screaming to the heavens about how the executive is unbound are going to care? In fact, not only care, do you think they're going they're going to be cheerleading when mm-hmm. Kamala Harris says yeah. the hundred days? are up yep. and now I am issuing my official bad guns are gone decree. No, hold on. Kamala Harris in the U.S. Senate where she could propose a bill to do exactly what she wants or a constitutional amendment to do exactly what she wants and she's not doing it. Well, that's because the wicked Republicans are holding things up in the Senate. They won't allow this to have a vote and then plus all the dopey people in those flyover states, they just don't get their own interest. They don't understand that these guns is hurting people. All of these laser-guided, grenade-launching, <laughs> military-style, automatic, weapon, cop killer. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, you're so crazy. we're going to ban all those things. I'm going to let uh, Al Sharpton write up the legislation or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that'll work out well. I'm going to move on from that because we could talk about that Wait, forever. Wait, we need to – okay. So oh, we, we got one more thing. We have one we... more thing because I want to talk about um, Avengers things. Yep, that's fine. So – the SAT board, the, the group that puts the <laughs> SATs together. Oh, you knew this was coming. College board. They did a pilot with, I think it was five colleges. Um, they're going to roll it out to more colleges. It's called the adversity score. Oh, yes. So it's not enough that they believe the test is biased. Now, they make the test. 
but somehow it's still biased against sure. minorities. Oh, wait a minute. Not all minorities. Asians score higher yeah, than whites. That's unfortunate. So that kind of blows that theory. But we're going to come up with a socioeconomic adversity score. So if you're poor, we're just going to add some points because you probably didn't what? get it. All poor people are more stupider than rich people, yeah, right? Isn't that, I mean, isn't that true? Yeah, except the Asians who seem to not necessarily come from wealth but seem to do much better on the test by like 100 points better. Now, unfortunately, it's 277 points better than the average black student. But who's counting? Here, you know? here, here's the thing. This, this is also – I love this because it's the same argument that they apply to the voting issue, right? And they say, listen, listen, you, Mr. African-American and you, Mr. Latino-American, trust us. You just don't have the ability to go get an ID. Yep. No, but we do. No, 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 no. Listen, we've studied this problem. We're going to pat you on about. the head. You can't make it down to the DMV to get that. It's just too hard. Mm-hmm. There's the moat. There's the alligators. There's the, you know, they're going to dump oil on you. There's the snipers. You just can't possibly make it. This is the same argument. Mm-hmm. If you were an African-American, okay, who was a high achieving, very intelligent African-American, and you were told, hey, listen, um, you did really well in the SATs, but... You're going to do better because we know. Yes. We know that, you know, you've got struggles that have prevented you from getting the score that you deserve. And we're going to give you just a, a kicker. Yeah. We're giving you the adversity score. Yes. Because yes. we've, you know, how do we figure that out? I don't know. Oh, you're Will Smith's son? Doesn't matter. Listen, we're guaranteed. We're telling you you've had adversity. Yes. Because you shouldn't know it. we're consumed with white guilt and our privilege tells us this, that we know. This is, this is just yet another... You know, it's basically affirmative action by any other name. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Um, it makes a laughing stock of, of the exam. Well, when the SAT is now determining not if you get the right answer, but how you developed as a human being to get to that right. spot where you And I'd love test. to see the, the empirically rigorous criteria that are going to be applied here. Sure. Because I'm sure it's some very, very sophisticated well, it's, formula. It's, secret, it's a secret algorithm. In other words, is it possible for you or me to have had an, a, an adversity score? Well, here's the thing. I took the SAT. It's been a few years. But I took the SAT. They never once asked for my gender or my race or my age. You know what? Here's or the- my income. You know what's coming? And I, I'm only half joking about this. Yes. There's going to be an adversity. There's going to be a superiority score. Oh, yes. And they're going to reduce your score. Yes. In other you've words, got, you've got too much privilege. You got a 1600. <laughs> but you are a pasty white Protestant yes. who was homeschooled. Yes. And that's got to be at least, I don't know, 100 points off. Okay. First of all, folks, I was not homeschooled. I'm not currently pasty white. <laughs> But not, I could be. I was pointing at chat. I'm just in general. <laughs> but I, I could have listen, been. Listen, th- that logic will lead mm-hmm. to that result. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Well, I don't, I don't that's think they'll a call it that. Do. I don't think they'll call it that. I think they'll just bump up the adversity they'll, they'll, side. No, no, to, no. To that, why wouldn't they? It'll be the fairness uh, adjustment index uh, by the Ministry of Testing yeah, Justice. I, SAT has too much power. ACT has too much power. There's too much riding on things that are. Your grades in your high school are different than the grades in the school next to you, and yet we're supposed to think they're equal. Yeah. So, some business student taking advanced placement accounting is scoring higher than somebody score in, in advanced placement biology. So for some reason, a less rigorous course is getting you higher grades than somebody taking much more rigorous courses. 
it's ridiculous, and I think it's it's the joke that it is. And I've always thought the SAT was a joke, and it still is a joke. So it's just it's more it's a funnier joke. It's a, it's a funnier joke. It's a bigger joke. Let's move on to Avengers Endgame. Now I did a podcast earlier in the week where I gave my thoughts, but I'm going to give them with Tony. Right. Because well, he wasn't there's with a me. preface to this. Okay. So I don't listen to any other podcasts. <laughs> um, I don't listen to our own podcast. So I know nothing about what Chad has said. But Chad and I, I'm not a comics book guy at all. I know nothing about I never read comics book comic books when I was growing up. Um other than I think I did read a few like Spider Man comics okay. or whatever. But okay. so I heard through the grapevine that you had done a podcast <laughs> where you gave your thoughts about Avengers Endgame and I have seen most of the Marvel movies and I did okay. see the two uh, Infinity War Infinity and, War okay. and Endgame. So okay. first Well first the question was asked to us what characters would we be in the Marvel Cinematic I, I Universe? Don't, I don't know. I, that, I don't think we can be any of them. Well, I, I could see you as Ultron. <laughs> I, I just, I, you've I'm got the, a cool I'm logic the, right, about so I'm you. I'm the sociopathic evil well, no, robot no. that tries to destroy see, I think the you world. Misunder- I think you misunderstand what he is. He, he sees that the only way to cure right. mankind He's of its ills like Thanos. is, well, but Thanos wants to destroy half the population. He wants to wipe out everybody because he feels that machines are much more pure right. in their society. Hmm. But he's a cool, calculating logic. But he's kind of funny when he talks. He just well, that's because he's James Spader. Well, that that probably helps. Yeah. In, in the comics, you never got that James Spader feel, but you definitely did in the movie. That's interesting. I don't. I don't. Maybe you're Groot. I don't know. I don't Groot. know who you are. I was thinking Spider Man because I'm I'm unsure of my abilities. I'm a little technically savvy, but I'm not Iron Man. I'm not in that level by any stretch of the minute. No, that's wrong. That, that's more not, Peter Parker than Spider Man. You are not. You are the furthest thing <laughs> from Peter Parker. Oh, I think I'm more Peter Parker than I. I don't think I'm necessarily Spider Man. I should say Peter Parker. Like, no, you, Peter Ant-Man? Parker. You're like crotchety. I'm annoyed with. I'm annoyed with waitress. Ben Roethlisberger should be canned. Like, Wait a minute. He not, should be. He you're should not be. Peter that's, Parker. Well, I'm not. I'm not a teenager. That's true. Things are different. No, I, I don't so, know. I have to think about that. But there, that's, we, that is not even. I gave who we thought we were. Apparently, Tony doesn't like either one. So. Well, no, no. You, you selected me, and then you selected well, you. Well, who do you think? Who do you think? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I have to think about it. But it's, it's definitely. <laughs> who do you think not, you are? I don't. I don't really think of myself in terms of Avengers. Thumb guy. No, not Thanos. No. All right. So, so I want you to give your um, like three or four bullet points about what you thought about Endgame, um, and then I will I will respond and then provide you with the correct opinions about the all correct. Re- so having watched all twenty two, including Endgame, uh, some more times than others. I can't say that I've watched them all multiple times, but I have watched most of them multiple times. I feel like this was a good culmination, and, and and I'm the fan guy, so take that into consideration. I'm the fan guy who likes the callbacks to different things at different times because I think that's kind of cool to say, oh, I missed that part earlier. Now I know why that was important. So I've heard people criticize that. You know, Ben Shapiro says, oh, I think that's dumb for fanboys. Whatever. I like it. That's me personally. I feel like this movie gave me some closure. I I don't like when monetary decisions determine who lives and who dies, meaning uh, Ray da- or Robert Downey Jr. dying because his contract was up. I don't love that. Yeah, but are you sure that's really why? I mean, I think it's a logical endpoint for his character. It's not anyway. an illogical endpoint. It just it feels like it was because his contract was done and we knew that going into the movie, it seemed like, okay, we're going to kill him off. I mean, you could have kept him around and not killed him off, but not had him in another movie. 
You know, you could have said, okay, he's retired. Somebody else takes over the, the Iron Man armor. That, that, I didn't love that part. One of the criticisms that Ben Shapiro, again, he, he likes to rag on the Marvel movies because he's a DC guy. He said, I didn't like how in the end game, when Thanos doesn't have any of the rings, he is able to more easily hold off Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. Whereas when he has the rings at the end of Infinity War, Thor almost beats him by himself. Now, I would contend at the end of Infinity War, Thor comes in at the end and puts his axe into Thanos' chest after Thanos has literally battled everybody around him and maybe a little bit weakened there. And in the end of Endgame, he just dropped a 20-story building on top of these three heroes, and maybe they weren't at their full peak power when they're fighting him, even though he doesn't have the Infinity Gauntlet. That's just my take on that. Go ahead. Hmm. All right. Um, oh, and I, one more thing. Yes. I, I got criticized for this. I felt like there was an emotional connection across all 22, but especially for Tony Stark because the thing he was searching for in his entire time was a family. He, he was searching for from his father, from his mother. He, he's always been looking for that father figure, and he became the father figure, and you saw that flashback, well, the flashback in time. He had his family. He had his daughter. He had his wife. And he gave that up to go back in time to try to save everything else. Now, somebody said, did the Hulk explain time? If you put all the stones back, you don't lose anything that happened afterwards. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what happened. But that's – I think he, he gave – he made a sacrifice that nobody else could or would in the same situation. I don't think. All right. Um a couple I thought I thought the movie was was pretty good. I don't think the movie was as good as a lot of people. I mean, when I was reading the reviews leading up to the movie mm-hmm. and everyone was just extolling this as, you know, the I greatest agree. thing in history. I, agree. I was a little bit underwhelmed. I, I mean, was, I walked yeah. out of the theater it was good. Mm-hmm. I actually thought Infinity War was better. I thought mm-hmm. it was more engaging. There was a lot of exposition in this movie. There was a lot of, and I I I appreciated the beginning where you kind of had to set the stage for sure. all of this, but there was a lot of slow parts in this movie but here's a couple of things okay since you're a tech man <laughs> i will tell you that the biggest thing that bothered me about the whole movie was at the end and by the way if you haven't seen these movies this is all going to be make no sense you. whatsoever <laughs> and on all of its incomprehensible gibberish anyway the whole the whole time travel i don't like time is travel just, it's just yeah. don't even think about it yeah. it's just it's stupid just let it, it wash makes, over you it makes just no sense enjoy the ride the pim particles or whatever yeah okay fine they needed some plot device they could go back in time yes. and gather the Infinity Stones and try to prevent Thanos from destroying everybody. But here's what I want to know. At the end of the movie, basically the way Iron Man defeats Thanos is Thanos is on the cusp of his glorious victory because he's got his gauntlet and he has all the Infinity, Infinity Stones again. And he's going to snap his fingers only this time because he's seen the error of his ways. He's not going to be as merciful. He's going to kill everyone and start over. Mm-hmm. And he snaps his fingers. And what do you know? Oh, by the way, before this, everyone has been trying to get the gauntlet off of him because mm-hmm. they have to take it, and they can't. So it's like one after the other. They're trying to grab it, and he's clubbing people in the head and throwing them you know, 50 fathoms away. No one can get it. And then Tony Stark in his Iron Man suit, you see him wrestling with Thanos and the gauntlet, trying to pull it off, and Thanos brushes him aside and flings him into some debris, and he says, I am inevitable. And then he snaps his fingers, and what, what do you know? All the Infinity Stones are missing, and Tony Stark has them on his little mini gauntlet. 
how did he get the stones off of Thanos's? They never showed how he did that. It's like some they, magic they trick. They didn't show it, but you remember when they put the the glove they made was one of his gauntlets. I believe he had control of that gauntlet because it was part of his armor, part of his nanite's armor, and I think that he was able to take it because of that. Because remember, it could kind of slide off. And, um, but the Infinity Stones are not nanites. No, but they are on the, the glove. That's what the Hulk snapped was a nanite Iron Man armor glove. Okay, but wait a minute. That still doesn't make sense. Okay. If the Infinity Stones – do you agree with me that the Infinity Stones are not nanites that can be controlled? Correct. All right, so – But they we, are placed on the glove. I get it. Okay. How did he get them off? He didn't. He took the glove. Well, that's true. I don't know how. Uh-huh. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Because, see, that's where it breaks down. I heard other people say, oh, no, it's his nanites. No, 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 no. The Infinity Stones themselves are not controlled by Tony Stark's tech. Correct. He can control his little mini gauntlet so that it forms on his hand. Yes. How does he suck the Infinity Stones off the bigger gauntlet? They never explain I think if he that. Took, if he took the gauntlet off of Thanos and had himself, but Thanos didn't sell the gauntlet, exactly. then yes. They never explained it. They never showed it. All they show is like this little tug of war as, as poor Tony is futilely trying to yank this off, and then he's flung away. And look, magic, I have them all now. <laughs> that is ridiculous. The old switcheroo. That is, yeah, it's like, a, <laughs> like that is the culminating movie of whatever, 27. This is the end of the universe, and they don't even explain how that supposedly happened. It's the greater sacrifice he made. That's more annoying than watching Bane in an entire Batman movie and not being able to understand a single thing that he says. Here's what. Here's the question I have. Thanos at the end of Infinity War snaps his finger, destroys half the population, goes to his happy place on planet. Who cares? He's fine. When he tries to destroy the stones, it nearly kills him. And we're told only a certain being can hold the, the Infinity Gauntlet, yet they pass it around. Tony snaps his fingers and it kills him? Why does it kill him? Because that doesn't make any sense either. But that is a huge problem. Yeah. They never figured out, and they could have easily done it. Mm -hmm. They could have very easily done something in the plot so you would see, aha, this makes sense. How he got – it doesn't make sense at all. There's No one else could get them off, and then all of a sudden they're magically on his glove. doesn't make sense. My second – They needed Nightcrawler. Yes. Yeah. My second big pet peeve about all of these movies is that many of the superheroes are far too powerful. So, for instance, this Scarlet Witch woman, mm -hmm. who I'm not even sure, you know, that, is that her name? Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's fighting at the end, and she, of course, she wants vengeance for the guy that had the stone in his head. Vision. Who's, Vision, who's dead because Thanos ripped it out of his head. Yes. And he's played by Paul Bettany, and so he's also very proper in English, and everyone should feel <laughs> badly that he's dead. And so she's, of course, incredibly upset, and she says, you've taken everything from me. And Thanos says, I don't even know who you are. She says, you will soon know. And then she zaps him with her, whatever, her telekinetic. Hexes. And she's defeating him. Mm -hmm. She's more powerful than Thanos. Yes. She's like a minor. I've never even heard of this person. That's and the only reason fault. that he survives is because he radios to his ship and says, fire the plasma cannons. And I'm thinking, why didn't you already fire all the Didn't thousands of plasma Didn't cannons? Right. Good. So she's apparently more powerful than Thanos at this point. Well, Do you agree? I, no, I don't agree that she's more powerful. I think in the moment she's more powerful. She's she is, levitating him in the air and stripping all of his armor off of him magically. Okay, she has what's called a hex power. Now, they don't flesh it out in the MCU, but in the comics, she's got this uncontrollable magic that she can't quite control, so it doesn't always do what she wants, but it's, it's called a hex power, and that she's able to do things. And she's very powerful, but she doesn't know how to do it all, so she doesn't 
utilize it as well as well, she Well, I don't care that she doesn't know how to do it all. In the moment, she's more powerful than Thanos. Yeah, apparently. but you saw some of that in Infinity War, too. Right. It wasn't like it just popped up in Endgame. I'm not saying it just popped up. I'm okay. saying it's stupid. She shouldn't be that powerful. <laughs> okay. Then you, so you have her. Then you have, and I actually have not seen Captain Marvel. I don't understand mm. why Captain Marvel is a woman, but nevertheless, <laughs> that's probably because I'm a misogynist. But in any event, no. Captain Marvel is also apparently... Um, I don't know, some kind of borderline quasi-god, right? No. Well, they, they they made her much more powerful in the MCU than I would say she's ever expressed right, in Right, because she can turn else. herself into like a ball of nuclear fusion. That's true, And she true, flies though. in and blows up Thanos' entire spacecraft. And yet, when they're like doing their little hand-to-hand, when he's defeating each of them on the battlefield, he kind of flings her aside like she's a ragdoll. That doesn't make any sense I don't sense think she either. should have been in this movie. Personally, I, I think she was underutilized in this movie. She was in the beginning. She was in the end. Boom. It, it, it was a war, waste she's, of She's also too powerful. And not only is she too powerful, then they can't explain why she's so easily defeated by Thanos at the end when she's able to fly in from whatever cosmos she came from and yeah. destroy his entire giant city-sized ship. <laughs> so that doesn't make sense. And then you go down the line. Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. he's another guy that's too powerful. He in his movie, he used his little time bracelet to defeat who who's the apparently the the guy Domino. that's even worse than Thanos. Who's yeah, that? Dormino. Dormino. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that supposed to be like Satan or something? I guess. But it's a it's a demon. Let's so so Captain Strange defeats Doctor giant Strange. yeah Captain Strange Doctor Strange. <laughs> he defeats giant galactic Galactus devouring uh, isn't yeah. Galactus another character? Galactus is another character you you're going to get with uh, Fantastic 4 coming over to Disney. Right. Now on the hierarchy of the evil bad guys in terms of their level of universe destroying powers. Am I correct that Thanos is not as powerful as Galactus who is not as powerful as Dornop or whatever that guy's <laughs> name is? So Dormano is yes. more on the astral plane. He is not physically manifest. So, no, he's not the same power level, but he can destroy your soul. Galactus is not malevolent insofar as he's purposely trying to kill people. He's just hungry? He's hungry and needs to eat your planet to survive. Right, but your he, food. Eats, he eats entire galaxies, right? Planets. Plan- but when you eat all of them, then the galaxy Well, yes, is you gone, get the galaxy. Right? But he, 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 he has heralds. That go out and try to like get a silver plant, surfer. I know that surfer, to try to get planets that are less habitated or less developed, whatever. He's not he's not malevolent in the same way that Thanos is. But if you look at Thanos, well, but Thanos is just basically a giant purple Malthusian. Yeah, he he really has a thought process that we we it's overpopulation, right? He's, exactly. He's, he's eugenics, and we got to get rid of it. He's a giant purple Paul Ehrlich. That, yeah. That's who he is. Yeah, I agree with With, with a goofy gauntlet of gems. He, he is physically imposing. I, I, in Infinity War, I questioned why he was able to defeat the Hulk so easily at the beginning of that movie. I, I did not believe that. Even with one gem, I don't believe he should have been able to do that. But that's how they portrayed it. So and and Thor. On. So you have like so. My point is, is that you have all of these characters who are basically indestructible. Okay, mm. can you kill Thor? Yes. How? He he died. He's died in the comics. No, 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 no. We're not talking about the comics. Okay, we're talking about in these movies the way well, that he is portrayed. Can he be killed? Yes. How? You could cut his head off. He'd be dead. He, Loki was killed. Yeah, but Loki's not as powerful as Thor. You're talk. You're confusing strength with. In, in you know immortality, 
I don't know. One is I, I think the problem is that they created so many of these characters who basically became very close to or nigh. They, they were essentially indestructible for all intents and purposes. And then they have to somehow explain how Thanos is just, you know, slapping them around. Uh, it just didn't make well, any sense to me. Your better question would be Hawkeye and uh, um, Black Widow. They're. They're not enhanced. They're well-trained, but they're not yeah. enhanced human beings. Well, they're the just thing. human so she, beings. So she's there shooting her little Glock mm-hmm. at people. Mm-hmm. She has no other powers other than she's a trained assassin. And right. Whatever. She has an electrical bracelet that is supposed right. to stung you. Right. But, so she should be dead immediately. And Hawkeye shoots arrows mm-hmm. and then gets very angry that his family is dead and becomes a, an avenging assassin and starts killing the Yakuza or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he – if in terms of strength, they should have both been dead immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like vaporized. Well, if if Thanos had wanted to kill them, he could have killed them. Theoretically, Captain America should have been, you know, bounce him around like a rag doll. I don't care how much so, a super soldier you are. Somebody grabs you by the head and starts banging your you against the ground. You're gonna break. It just there's no inevitable. You oh. got to suspend some disbelief. But the final bit. thing that was annoying to me is that, of course, what happens is when Captain uh, not Captain America when Tony Stark snaps his special little micro gauntlet and and then defeats Thanos. When it happened originally, when Thanos did it, mm-hmm. of course, everyone, you know, they, they show the various people that are fading away into oblivion. It takes like a whole minute before Thanos even starts to disintegrate. Now, this, of course, is to add drama, drama sure. at the end because he sure. has to be the last one. Sure. And the other thing is, listen, until you're actually gone and, and been vaporized by the Illudium Pew 37 space modulator, <laughs> he was there for like a minute. Why didn't he go over and like pound Captain America to death or kill the rest of them? He didn't go anywhere. He just was like – it was like he had this very Eeyore-ish, I'm accepting of my fate. Well, maybe he felt – just because it wasn't physically manifest, he didn't start to feel like he was crumbling He didn't inside. feel well? He, he didn't feel himself? Well, I mean, in Infinity War, you, they took a while for some of these people to – to dissipate they didn't all dissipate the same and again for dramatic effect you got to you can't just have them all disappear at once you've got to have them slowly fade away at different times if you're not more concerned about tony stark surviving in space at the beginning for three weeks and captain marvel just miraculously showing up and getting him well that gets back to my point about captain marvel yeah i mean (laughs) that was that was more hard to believe than anything else for me is like well you're out in the vast of space. She's, she just finds you. You have no power. You know who she is? She's Interplanet Janet. Remember that Schoolhouse yes, Rock thing? Yes. Interplanet yeah, Janet. Um, she basically is. I, I would not disagree with that. Solar System. What is it? Solar System Mist from a Future World. That, yes. That's perfect. No, that's, that's perfect. That's Captain Marvel. Just it, it, zooming around the cosmos. There are holes in the plot of every one of these movies, including this one, and it doesn't satisfy everything. But I will contend some What did you give it um, out of uh, five stars? What did you give it? Three and a half. That's probably what I would say. Because I, I read the same reviews, probably a lot of the same reviews you did. I didn't love. I, I expect to go in with those reviews going, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it was okay. It wasn't this. I, I watched Infinity War a couple days before I went and saw Endgame. And I felt more emotionally attached to something that happened there. And the, the trauma. And the beginning of Endgame were the sadness of the world. I, I kind of got that. But. I don't love time travel things because I don't think they always logically work out, and that bothers Except me. Except in Back to the Future, which, of course, they reference in the movie. They do. And 
all the all the pop culture references, the dude in Big Lebowski. Oh, oh, also, what do you think about? Is this in the comics? Is it in the comics that the Hulk is now studious? Yes. Professor Hulk. What? Yes. They don't call him Professor Hulk, but he's integrated the brain of Banner with. The okay, that's of that's Hulk. terrible. Well, they they had to take the character somewhere. You can't and just so go what, rampaging what, for forty years. Of course you can. Well, they didn't. There's there's Wait, a gray so Hulk. Are we to believe now that he doesn't rampage anymore? Well, you saw him. He's like. Ooh, raw, big, big stuff up. I can't do this. Oh, yeah. I'm so angry. That's terrible. Well, I agree. You want you want rampaging Hulk. You want smack Hulk smash, and that's not what you got. Was it? It's. I guess it's believable that they could integrate. Chad, it was an there. accidental overdose of gamma radiation. There <laughs> is no overcoming the accidental overdose <laughs> of gamma radiation. Well, he, he's still green. He's still the Hulk. He just doesn't have the rage, so which means he's not as strong. That that's the that's the downside. He is not as strong. Without with yeah. Banner's brain that's running no, things, that's no good. but there's a Gray Hulk in the comics. Yeah, I don't, there's there should be. A gray so, Hulk well, the first Hulk was Gray. Is there like a Red Hulk too? That's um, Talbot, or not Talbot? Well, I don't um, know what that General means. Ross. What? General Ross from the Incredible, from yeah, from the um, first Hulk or second Hulk movie. We've now advanced beyond the scope of this. Well, it's of course in the comics. I, General Ross. I will is say the Red that Hulk. in terms of action movies. And I said that to the boys when we were watching it, and they they enjoyed it. I took the picks. Sure. Um, for my money, like if you take Avengers Endgame and Mission Impossible Six, Mission Impossible Six, vastly superior movie. Why? Why do you believe that? Just better in every respect. Because it's more believable. The, no, actually, pro- possibly less believable. <laughs> but just in terms of sheer entertainment value, spectacle, action. Okay. Just, you know. Really, no CGI because Tom Cruise is, Cruise is an insane person who yes. does all his own stunts. Yes. I would watch Mission Impossible Six ten times before I'd watch Endgame again. I'll watch Endgame again, but I, I can, the CGI thing is getting old for me. It, well, it, and I think that's part of it that the the last you know what was supposedly is the high point, which is that battle, mm-hmm. because it's all CGI. I know. I just immediately like I'm just not there. Like I, well, I get it. You th- we want to see bad CGI? Go watch Aquaman. I'm that was saying, bad CGI. I'm not saying the CGI was bad. I'm saying that but it takes you there's the part of you that knows that it's CGI no matter how cool it is, no matter how well rendered. Yeah. And it's just not the same. One of the reasons that I think that Aliens mm-hmm. – now, that movie is probably now, what, 20-some years old? Uh, 86, so – 30-some 30, years old? 33 years old. But one of the reasons that that's one of the best movies ever made is because – all of it is essentially live action. There's no, almost no CGI. Mm-hmm. The aliens are not CGI. It just didn't exist. And it, but even if it did, like that movie in terms of those costumes, it holds up really well. I agree. And there's something viscerally that is more realistic and draws you in more when it's like, well, that the CGI just doesn't do it. Well, look at the Lord of the Rings trilogy and then look at the Hobbit trilogy. One, The Hobbit shouldn't have been a trilogy, but it was. The CGI in Lord of the Rings was minimal. There was some. You could certainly see it, certainly with Gollum. It was, it was mo- and it was mostly in the last. And it last was motion one. capture, a lot of cases, instead of pure CGI. But there was a lot of practical effects. You got to The Hobbit, and it was it was just dumb. It, it, it didn't. Nothing made sense. You took it out of the moment every time. And I think that's what you're getting. These Marvel movies could not have been made without CGI. Sure. Practical effects would not have allowed you to make I'm not, most of I'm not of opposed this, to the CGI. I just thought that the culminating apocalyptic battle, Yeah. Um, I was sort of like you're at a remove. You're watching it. You're like, well, oh, this is this is cool, but you're not really drawn into it. Um, you know, and, 
and look, I get, I rolled my eyes with the whole the, the scene where it's uh, who's the all the women all come together. Of the women, yeah. I have all of my like. Are the men not your friends too? Like I have all of my and every yeah. female character. I know. You know, like that really? was a, that was pandering right of, there. Of course, but unfortunately, course. pandering to the wrong audience because it was a bunch of fanboys who weren't going to pander to that. But it was. Good enough. It wasn't great. I think it ends a chapter for me for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know what's going to happen going forward, and I think it's definitely going to be kind of like a reboot sort of thing because you're going to have to really get used to some new characters if they want to continue this. I I don't know if they do. Is is Thor going to stay fat? No. I don't think so. I think he'll slim down because he's got his confidence back because that's that's his thing all the time, confidence. I I don't feel confident as a leader. I feel confident in battle, but I don't feel confident as a leader. When he was thrust in the leadership role, he – fumbled it massively and got fat and stupid and hanging out playing video games. I didn't like the Fortnite reference. I thought that was, again, pandering to a pop culture thing that didn't need to be in the movie. There there were things they were doing. I don't think it needed to be three hours. I think there was a lot of things they could have cut to make it there's there's really no movie that needs to be three hours. Dances with Wolves was yes, perfect example. <laughs> that movie need to be an hour. I'm not sure. Uh, it didn't even, even mean to be made. That's what you got to ask yourself. So at the end of the day, I liked it. It wasn't my favorite. My favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Captain America: Winter Soldier. My favorite of the ones I've watched. And remember, I also have no baseline of comic books to compare these to. So I know a lot of people that are into the comics. They, that adds a different layer of analysis. Because sure, sure. they're like, it's not the same. I, I wouldn't have yeah. any idea. I actually think the first Iron Man movie is still the best one. It's good. It, well, it started at all. I mean, it, you didn't have but, it without But it was that. really well done. Like, yes. I didn't think any of the successive ones were as good. Yeah, I agree. Two and three were not nearly as good as one. I think Captain America... The second and third ones were better than the first one, personally, my opinion. But we'll leave it at that. I hope we've answered our critics' questions. And well, many many who don't care about the Avengers have long since signed off, which is fine. And that's their problem, not yes. mine. <laughs> Anything else to add? Zero. Okay. Thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.